Hello and welcome to Do It Justice, your local bi-weekly podcast on which a guest speaker and I discuss three ideas all under one umbrella theme, or as I like to call it, debate with a mate. Thank you for coming back to the fourth episode, or if you're new, thanks for tuning in. I want to preface this podcast by saying that no one is being harmed during the making of this episode, thanks to the website Clean Feed, which enables my guest speaker and I to have a discussion without needing to leave our homes. I also want to give a disclaimer that this podcast will deal with domestic abuse, drug abuse, suicide, self-harm, body image, racism, death. Um, So if these topics are tricky topics for you, this episode might not be your cup of tea. Now, before I introduce our guest speaker, I just want to add two comments from the last um, episode, which is about the environment. The first was um, said to me from Lawley, who said that when five be when five pee bags were introduced, everyone got on board very quickly and everyone started buying reusable bags or they would pay 10p for the bags for life, for example. And so um, the idea of getting rid of plastic one-use water bottles um, is not t- entirely absurd and I do think that the society would eventually get used to it. The second comes from Roy, who said that it's very important to note out the fact that cheap clothing is beneficial for those who cannot afford expensive clothing. Um, so thank you guys for sending in your comments. So... I'm going to now welcome on Patrick. Hello, hello. How are you? How are you doing? How are you? I am excellent. I mean, you know, any excuse to stay indoors, I'm on board. So (laughs) this has made my year. How have you been um, staying sane or have you not? Well, I think one thing that I've benefited from, uh, I was never sane in the first place, so... (laughs) This has been perfect. Oh, brilliant. Um, that sounds great. I've just been trying to keep up on top of coursework, really. I know, I know. Unfortunately, Patrick's in the year below me, so he's still got one more year to go in school. I feel for you. Oh, it's amazing. Don't worry. Can't wait to fail that A-level. <laughs> okay, so um, today we're kind of going to be talking about um, topics that are to do with quarantine and, and isolation, aren't we? General lonely topics, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so should we start with kind of the increase, um, the inevitable increase of domestic violence and, and suicide and stuff like that? What are your, what are your thoughts? Absolutely. So um, I think this was always going to be a massive issue hmm. with a large number of people having to be, you know, confined for such a long period of time. And I think it is quite a long period of time because my friend was saying to me the other day, she's, you know tallying the days off and at that point it wasn't even two months yet and in the outside world two months so much happens but in in here you're just alone with your own thoughts which is quite quite a scary prospect for you know a mentally healthy person as you know as much as anyone who has their own struggles with that yeah absolutely I think I think you raise a really valid point because nowadays in you know we live in a society where um there are like um, a, like a plethora of ways to fill your mind with just like nonsense content you know like TikTok for example um, oh, yeah. YouTube Twitter etc so when we are not given the chance but when we're forced to just kind of sit on our own and and <laughs> sit with our thoughts it can be a bit daunting like I know that I've kind of uh, reflected on and things and I like come to the realization about a few things that I probably ha- wouldn't have done if I wouldn't have been given this time but like you say for people who mm-hmm. kind of have that predisposition of struggling with mental health they, I can imagine this time is be it's like really awful for them yeah, as you were saying, I think um, day to day we're actually bombarded with kind of so much information on the internet 
that um, a lot of the time we're not really living in the real real world. So, Mm. of course, when we're faced with such a long time where we've got to, you know, be responsible for our own thoughts and person, it's quite daunting for a lot of people. Yeah, no, definitely. So um, in regards to, let's talk about substance abuse. So that kind of ties in quite well with what we're both saying in the sense that we're bored. (laughs) We're very bored. And a lot of people are turning to drugs like alcohol or um, other illegal substances like weed or, you know, like um, stricter drugs. What obviously we know why people are doing that. But what what do you think about that? Um, well, my thoughts would be, I guess, you know, if you're if you're using, you know, class class B drugs as a coping method, then it's not healthy, of course, but. Yeah. I think as long as it as long as you're responsible about it and I think a lot of people that do use class B drugs are responsible about it. Um yeah, it's not a major issue. I think the the main thing you should be concerned about is not having to use the NHS at a time where it's yeah. so overstretched. That is very good actually. I hadn't thought of that point in the sense that obviously say you overdose or say you drink too much and you have to get your stomach pumped, etc that's obviously going to put a lot of strain on yeah like you say a a workforce that's not currently um, exactly got free time on their hands do they yeah so completely if you do end up in hospital at this time you're increasing your risk of getting ill getting the virus so Yeah. yeah I think just being responsible for your own actions is quite important and knowing that what you what you do have can have quite severe consequences at the moment yeah for you and everyone you're surrounding yourself with as well exactly and so people obviously people also are turning to um food because i myself i'm a victim of bored (laughs) eating you know how it is you're in the house you're bored you have nothing to do and bored um, in the house (laughs) exactly um but obviously this is causing an issue for some people because of the fact that they can't exercise as well and so it's getting people down because obviously naturally being indoors you're going to eat more um but that's affecting people's mental health as well yeah I think body image is quite obviously we know it's a massive issue for a large proportion of young people and you know people of any age at the moment yeah um yeah and this can be really detrimental to your mental health I guess I think there's probably not a lot of people have something in place for just casually spending a couple of months at home without leaving so unless you've picked up a new hobby or some people I know have been really into working out and getting themselves healthy then there's not a lot that you can deal with than eat no exactly and actually that um brings me on to a point that i'll mention i'll I'll mention later about the fact that a lot of lower class people are being more affected by this because they have a lack of resources at home and stuff okay yeah i mean if you are of a lower you know social class then of course you're not going to have access to the same kinds of pastimes and facilities that you know people with essentially more money and yeah. more social standing do like some of us have plenty of money to like waste on baking that we probably don't need to eat or you know gadgets or whatever yeah no that's very true yeah and um, so also I think it's definitely something to talk about about like domestic abuse and how obviously the claustrophobia is going to cause a lot of built-up stress and how people might want to take that on partners or um on family members yeah completely I mean 
I know we've both researched this mm. and I found a statistic that um, the UK's largest domestic abuse charity, which is called Refuge, um, reported 700% rise in calls to its helpline, which I think is really interesting. Of course, it doesn't mean that there's a 700% increase in domestic abuse, but why? Because some people may not have been reporting it previously. And yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, the occurrence from the same individual will be increased. But yeah, it's quite a striking figure. And also 25% rise in calls from um, another charity by people looking to change their abusive behaviour. Right. I mean, it's really, really saddening um, to know these kind of facts because it's clear that whilst the coronavirus is like killing people slowly, um, people are genuinely like there, there has been uh, murders, hasn't there, where people have killed um, family members or partners because it's I mean, I'm not excusing their behaviour, but I do genuinely think that um, this coronavirus um, lockdown whole thing is provoking a lot of bad behaviour because we're all stuck inside. Yeah, and of course, at the end of the day, um, being an abusive person, it's also like a it's a mental health issue. Yeah, definitely. So any kind of stress or depression or any kind of effect on your mental health can have a really detrimental effect on that. I mean, even even down to the well, not even down to the fact of it, but a big factor is the fact that people have been laid off work or people aren't working and they aren't, you know. It's easy for a lot of people who can work from home, but for those who either have to go in and so have a stress of um, the fact that their life is being put in danger every single day, or they don't go in and then they have financial issues, that's going to put a massive stress on people. Oh yeah, hugely. Like financial issues are such a big, um, a big factor in people's mental health, um, and. You know, I'm I'm fortunate enough. Both of my parents are working from home, but yeah. just the number of people, like friends and family members, that have been laid off work or are having to stay apart from their family to protect them, in terms of um, keeping people safe from the virus and just you know themselves safe. It's it's a huge change. Yeah, it is sad. Um. So shall we move on to whether we should whether we should morally be obliged to snitch on those who aren't obeying the rules? Oh yes, please. I love this question. So what are you what are your initial thoughts then? So my initial thought is why should other people be allowed to put us in danger? And why should they not be punished for breaking rules set by the government, which to all intensive purposes are laws? Yeah. Yeah. Because realistically, the government aren't doing it just for a laugh, are they? They're doing it because people's lives are at risk. And quite frankly, it's very selfish. Yeah, it's extremely selfish. And, um, I, you know, my thought is that why should other people be having a great time when I'm stuck indoors, well, you know, bored off my face? That's the thing, isn't it? Because it encourages others to break the rules. They think, well, what's the point of me, you know, trying so hard to keep everyone safe when a small amount of people are going to ruin everyone's hard work? Yeah, absolutely. So we had VE Day a while ago and people, yeah. a lot of people on my street kind of sat in their front gardens and had some drinks. And then, you know, before you know it, people are going into other people's gardens and yeah. it's just that that herd that herd you know mentality that we have as humans that if you know if other people are doing it oh maybe maybe I can do it too exactly I mean we saw on the news there was a video broadcasted of those people's doing like line dances and they and the fact that BBC News actually broadcast that was basically saying oh this is funny we think this is entertainment 
this isn't bad they weren't condemning them Mm, absolutely and especially it's um it's quite socially isolating as well if you know if you're one of the few people who are really abiding by these rules yeah and you can see all your neighbors and friends are out ignoring them yeah exactly i mean realistically i can't understand why people would even want to do it anyway though because we all know that until a vaccine is found the only real way to keep ourselves safe is by social distancing so I can't even understand people's um, motivations like yeah you might be desperate to go for like a, a party at your mates or something or a drink up but is it worth life or death? Yeah exactly and I mean I'd like to ask you I know I would would you feel guilty if you did you know, something to break those rules. What, me personally? Yeah, you yeah. personally, would you feel guilty? Absolutely. I mean, I sold um, an item on Depop and so I had to go up to the post office and the post office is either mm. a 10 minute walk or like a one minute bus journey. And as I was walking past the bus stop, the bus came past me and I thought, well, I might as well get it. It's going to save me 10 minutes. And on the whole bus, the whole bus journey, I was so anxious that I was going to bring the virus back home to my home where my mum is... Um, a ward manager so she deals with people every single day she has to go into work she works for the NHS I was so anxious the whole time I felt so guilty I was like I'm never getting on a bus again I was literally horrified that I'd even done it I was like well first of all that was just lazy of me because I needed the exercise anyway but why would I do that I put myself at risk so yeah would you feel guilty yeah I I think I absolutely would and it kind of feels like a form of antisocial behavior Mm. which is kind of ironic now because it's social behaviour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even just stopping in the street to say hi to someone, it's quite it's quite like a um, you know, it's a heart wrenching thing. You feel you feel a bit weird doing it now. Yeah, I know. So I think we've established that doing the socialising is bad, but would you snitch like to what extent? Because there has been cases where people have snitched and they've actually not known the full circumstances. Um um and like people have say for example there was a a case I don't know where it was from but someone a couple of posted photos on Facebook of a holiday and people had reported it and the police turned up to their door only to find out the photos were from a year ago so what what Mm. what stance do you take absolutely I think um it's really nuanced and you have to use your own discretion about it for instance you know police were inundated with calls from people about their neighbours out for a second run at the beginning of this kind of lockdown period and it's just like the real distinction between what is worth reporting because for me you know Dave across the road can go for as many runs as he want as far as I'm concerned as long as he's not breaking the two meter distance rules and you know as long as he's not putting anyone else in danger I'm not too bothered. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point because, like you say, it, it, it's it's different case by case, isn't it? Because um, a run is very different to seeing your neighbour knock on your other neighbour's house and then go in for a cup of tea. And I do think, like you say, it's about using your discretion, about using your um, ability to <laughs> tell whether someone is doing a, a purposeful um, act of like um, social negligence, etc., um, or or just you know trying to keep themselves sane and, and safe. Um, completely yeah but um some people would argue that it say say you caught someone um going over to another person's house and you reported it some people would argue that that that's kind of spying like you're being nosy who, who what what position are you in to um report on them yeah i 
I see that point to be fair because you know it's about what is what is invading someone's privacy yeah um and I'd say for me I probably wouldn't report someone unless it was like a large group or something that I felt was really you know significantly wrong yeah or that or, or you could see the um inevitable detrimental um effects of it completely but, yeah yeah no I, I agree I think that that's very true the issue is right now that we're facing is the fact that the government um hasn't really laid out any specific rules that they've not been very clear with what they want us to do no completely and we could go on for days and days about the failings of the British government but just one thing that I think is interesting actually 43 forces across the UK haven't got the resources to cope with large numbers of minor complaints because of government cuts Mm, that is very interesting indeed and 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 this doesn't help either the the kind of lack of clarity that we're getting from the government because some people are going to go and educate themselves and look at what the real advice is and other people do rely on the news and other kind of forms of less you know official information to decide what they're going to do exactly and unfortunately quite a lot of the time stereotypically those who are victims of false news or propaganda or um just rumors about what we can and can't do are those of lower class who don't have access to do their own research or um who have very reliable sources um which is which is I don't know, a lot of people have claimed that that's a purposeful move from the government or, or, or the Prime Minister Johnson. What do you think? I mean, I dispute it being um, a, a deliberate move to, you know, isolate the, the lower classes and to put people in danger. What I would say is that it's a flawed system. They're, they're upholding what is traditional, not what is important, maybe. Mm, yeah that is a very very good point and as we kind of talked about earlier about those from lower class having like lack of resources at home often a lot of the people who are leaving their home to meet up with people um is like groups of of lower class people who don't have money at home to spend or who or, or people who are stuck in very small homes and they might not have a garden and so they are the people stereotypically that we see you know out in parks or out uh, with mates meeting up with people yeah the people that really do rely on public spaces for their social life and just their day-to-day life in general I mean I don't want to use the word chav but <laughs> that's you know the people that really do need those kinds of spaces. Yeah, exactly, which is like a sad reality, the fact that when it comes down to it, they don't have enough living and breathing space at home and they have to escape. And in that sense, when I think about it like that, I do feel bad for them and I do kind of sympathise with them and the reasons why they are not necessarily meeting up with their mates, but the reasons why they're leaving home and going elsewhere. Yeah, it's such um, it's it's such an issue that affects everyone in a different way just the disparity of um how this situation has changed people's lives is huge yeah exactly um okay well shall we move on to the recent death of belly majinga i think i'm saying that right i looked it up belly majinga um yeah. now she was she was a uk rail worker and um, i think she was in her mid 50s or something i don't know whether i read that wrong and she died of coronavirus after being spat um spat out while on duty and it was a very short timeline um i think she was spat on spat out on the 22nd of march and she died on the 5th of april so basically 
timeline of two weeks, she had pleaded against working outside um, the protection of the ticket um, office without PPE. So she was basically um, completely bare, had no protection. And um, it's claimed that her employers um, knew that she had respiratory problems. And not only that, but after the incident, she was sent back out to work, uh, despite the fact that she was physically shaking um, from the trauma. So what when you heard this or when you read this or when I sent you this, what were your thoughts? Well, um, interestingly, my initial thought, the very first thing I thought um, is it's like that um, case a couple of years ago of, you know, the man who was giving other men HIV deliberately, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same concept. You're causing someone harm on purpose because this man, it's important to note that uh, he told her and her colleague that she was with, he said to them, I have coronavirus. Yeah. So he was fully aware of what he was doing. And also, I think it's important to note that I don't think they've actually tracked this man down yet, have they? No, well, that's what... I don't know whether they've not tracked him down, but they've not released any information about him on the news, which I think is interesting because if it were any other case because the facts we're looking at is that there was a motivation there was a form of weaponry in the sense that he knew he had um a killer disease um and Mm. and there was um, a motivation and he did what he did um so for me when I heard the facts I initially jumped to the conclusion of well surely that's murder well this is what I thought as well because um when people have been deliberately infected with other viruses in the past, um, it's been ruled as grievous bodily harm. And if someone dies, then surely that that's murder. That was intent. You know, he he did he deliberately killed someone. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And you know, I think grievous bodily harm is is it undermines the whole situation because grievous bodily harm isn't something that causes you death. It is like a serious injury that was done on purpose. That's that is yeah, what and I, it's not just physical, it's also mental, you know, these effects that people are gonna live with for the rest of their life. Yeah. I mean I don't know the actual proper definitions, but I did sit in a case for grievous bodily harm and it's not it's not things that kill you. And um, but there ha- there have been arguments that the guy won't be done for murder, he'll be done for manslaughter because uh, the issue is and a solicitor reported that the offences could be from assault to grievous bodily harm to manslaughter or even murder depending on whether they can prove that the offender, one, did have the virus and two, was aware of this at the time. Because unfortunately, it could have been um, a very um, bad prank, a very foul prank that took a turn for the worse. And now he looks like the actual perpetrator. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I think it's quite a complex issue isn't it because obviously there have been other reports of people who maybe haven't had the virus but you know spitting at police or other public sector workers um and you know it's all you know very ha-ha but absolutely not because it's a really serious disease um yeah, yeah it's just i i understand why it could be manslaughter obviously because it you know we know that people do survive it it's not uh, it's not a death sentence, but it's just such a shocking kind of thing for someone to do if he did, you know, know that he had this virus. But then could you not say that, um, say, for example, um, I see a randomer on the street, I have a gun and I shoot them somewhere in the body with the full intent of murdering them. Um, and I know that potentially if I shoot them in the stomach, it might not kill them, but it will still do very much harm. But my in- my intent was to kill them. 
say they die, mm. is that not still murder? I'm not, I'm kind of I'm asking the question openly, but what do you think? Is that murder? I think that's a very good point because, yeah, there was you know there is the chance that they'd survive, but in any kind of attack, there is the chance that someone might survive. So yeah. you know, you as a, a law student seem to have a, a really good grasp over this kind of thing. Um, my opinion would be that yeah, it is murder if he if he knew what he was doing. As with someone who you know shoots someone in the stomach, they yeah they don't know for certain that the person might die, but it's it's a very large chance for it. Yeah, exactly. The issue is that you can't prove that she didn't get it from other sources. I mean, I think this is an entirely horrible situation for the family to go through because it's like, you've got to prove. I just think it's awful. I feel so bad for her daughter. And I just think my heart goes out to them all. Yeah, it is completely terrible. As you say, we, you know, there's not a clear way yet to prove how someone contracted the coronavirus because at the moment the way I think the way they're doing it is through more sociological studies um mm. but yeah as soon as I think as soon as that is made possible and as soon as we can test when someone has had the virus I think that's something that really does need to be pushed for all any case like this yeah absolutely and um, right well we've come to the end um of the episode thank you so much oh. for coming on Patrick I know Time we've had a few we've, having fun. <laughs> we've had a few technical um problems but we've got around them um and we we divided and you know we we overcame the situation we conquered we conquered didn't we and thank you so much would be proud he would indeed thank you so much for coming on if you guys have any topics that you'd um like patrick and i to discuss give me an email at doitjustice at hotmail.com um you've been brilliant stay safe oh thank you thank you you know (laughs) i try (laughs) um stay same with your art coursework and um yeah i'll see you later Oh, I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. So that was Patrick. You can catch him on Instagram at underscore p dot a t t. Thank you so much for listening to the end. If you have any ideas, remarks, comments, themes that you'd like to dis- to be discussed, you can send it to me at Do It Justice Podcast on Instagram or Do It Justice Pod where the O is a zero on Twitter. Stay safe and I'll catch you in the next one.